वेलकम टू येट अनादर एपिसोड ऑफ दिल ढूंढता है येस द टेंथ वन एज प्रोमिस्ड बैक टू बैक तो नहीं कर पाए पर वजह बहुत थी देवर न्यूज़ अराउंड आस विच केप्ट अवे फ्राम यू नो प्रोड्यूसिंग रिकॉर्डिंग एक्सेट्रा एंड वेन आई से आस आई मीन द माई फ्रिटर्निटी आई हैव अ डे जॉब अ नॉर्मल जॉब एंड दैट्स ऑफ अ टैलेंट मैनेजर एंड एंड आर्टिस्ट्स एंड देयर वर्क एंड हैंडलिंग दैम इज अ पार्ट एंड पार्सल and it's really really sad to hear the demise of Sushant Singh Rajput who's a celebrated actor very talented guy gone too soon and um, yes it was very depressing because um, before the last episode i mentioned and there was um a fellow celebrity manager disha who incidentally used to manage sushant at some point also left us and it could have been a mishap is what police has found now but um, gone too soon um all of this and and the depression around and the whole debate around it and there's so much being said in the social media and all over media itself that it led me to introduce my uh, segment which is those around us faster sooner and i have the right person to talk to she's my colleague she works with me in my team her name is sanjeevni singh extremely diligent extremely smart very articulate and opinionated here's her story you must listen and i hope it inspires you come and give me to my podcast it's called dil dhoonta hai and i delve into things and you know thoughts that we all have as human beings and try to find and then you know go towards a better tomorrow um i have particularly uh, you in particular on, for conversation because of a major reason okay and um, you're my first person in this segment that i'm introducing and it's called uh, those around us okay so uh, the reason is back to back we've just been hearing such sad you know information around or sad news um last to last week it was disha one of our fellow uh, managers yeah. who committed suicide apparently but it was it could be a mishap yeah so that's that's clarity that's come but sushant singh day before and um, everybody is talking about mental health and there could have not been a better timing than this to have this conversation with you Yeah. You want to start by telling us how did you figure and what exactly are you going through in terms of treatment therapy etc. So the thing is the first time I was proper so I was a very troubled child growing up in the sense I mean people would perceive it as trouble mm-hmm. but I just think that I was a kid with a lot of energy but I was like I would get into fights and that was my personality type from since I was very very young I was very bold and fearless and i was getting into fights i did not have friends like mm-hmm. i think for the f- and i was just thinking about it so weirdly till today morning mm-hmm. i think i met my best friend who actually normalized a lot of things for me when i was 14 no so like 13 14 yeah so up until then i was i was a very alone child and i did not get along with a lot of people Mm-hmm. and uh, so you know so i was constantly getting into fights and i don't think my parents fully grasped the concept of what was wrong with me mm-hmm. like they were just like oh maybe she's an eccentric kid you know because my dad is also like slightly weird like mm-hmm. my entire family is slightly weird so <laughs> okay. and the thing is my parents were very young so i didn't 
I don't think they understood what he like. They didn't. They were like, she's physically safe, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they understood that mentally also that there needed to be safety for me. Mm-hmm. So when I was about um, seven or so, something weird happened with me on a personal front uh, mm-hmm. with a cousin of mine, mm-hmm. and that sort of set off an episode mm-hmm. because I didn't understand for the longest time what was happening to me. Mm-hmm. uh because he was inappropriate with me but that was under the false pretense of love hmm. so for the longest time you know i was just like yeah you know it's it's fine this is okay you know this is what people who love each other do hmm. and uh, when you're that age you really don't question anything somebody older yeah has to like you know you don't question what they say so if an older person told you this is what's to be done you did it anyway hmm So yeah so then um when that happened it sort of set off an episode and a list like a sort of string of bad behavior for the next couple of years mm-hmm. and it it was on it started about when i was 7 it ended about when i was 10 okay and uh, the abuse ended then but after that it just it was like a downward pattern for me where i was very very reckless i was very very angry mm-hmm. and uh, my parents are also human at the end of the day so the home situation wasn't great either hmm. because my father is an alcoholic and he used to hit us and stuff and it hmm. happens predominantly all over the world mm-hmm. but that was the situation at home so no one really like invested in me to be like is she okay hmm. there was so much chaos around whereas hmm. one of my uncles was just like okay so i feel like there's something more to this child because i didn't grow up uh, with my parents for say i kept moving around houses constantly and i was very happy with that cuz i got to grow up with my uncles i got to grow up with my cousins i got to grow up with my grandparents so mm-hmm. all of that uh, that was the good side of it mm-hmm. so he was like there is something wrong right now because every time she gets angry mm-hmm. or if there's something that she's unable to express then it becomes a tantrum like mm-hmm. a full fledged physical tantrum mm-hmm. and so he was like okay let's get you tested Mm-hmm. and um so they got me tested i remember going to a psychiatrist and i think my mom was also there and uh, the psychiatrist asked me so she asked me a set of routine questions and like you know so what do you do at school do you have any friends and all of that and at that age i must have been about 11 or 12 and at that age you're just i told her whatever i felt at that point i was like I get angry when no one listens to me. I told her everything that I at that time thought po- possible because I didn't know what this woman was here for. Hmm. And he, and at that point also mental health didn't like had a lot of stigma behind it. Right. So if you were found out taking a child or your child specifically to a psychiatrist or a therapist, that means there was something wrong with your kid. Hmm. and my parents also got blessed their good souls but i was a very very like i mentioned troubled child so everyone was already like yeah she's a case mm-hmm. you know she's a difficult child to manage mm-hmm. so that also furthered their think that maybe you know i was doing all of it for attention and also i don't know what conversation happened between therapist and my parents but my parents never took like they never took that forward that route forward mm-hmm. and where did my uncle did Mm-hmm. and so you know he was just like okay so she has bipolar disorder like mm-hmm. borderline it's not very bad mm-hmm. so then he explained this to my parents but i don't think that they understood or very willing to mm-hmm. especially when the thing of medication happened mm-hmm. so then uh, my uncle took it upon himself to sort of be like okay you know what we figure this out there are other alternative routes to this if your parents don't allow medication then you know we'll figure something out mm-hmm. 
so he got me into like you know he was just like okay you need to start exercising constantly so he was just like you have borderline bipolar disorder you need to understand how to navigate your emotions hmm. so he's like when you get very very angry hmm. like what is it that you can do to calm yourself hmm. so that's where i learned running okay so i would run every time that i was extremely angry because i just needed to ward off that excess energy otherwise uh, for me as someone who's on the border mm-hmm. my emotions get the best of me like i react instead of observing mm-hmm. and that happens every day now as well like the very small things are react to me but my body speed is finish and with bipolar you can go into extreme manic episodes you can go into extreme depressed depressive episodes so it's very high and low hmm and so i think luckily for me it wasn't as bad as the disease or the disorder had taken place in other people mm-hmm. but i was sort of able to curb it with exercise with writing with and my uncle was somebody who encouraged anything so like for instance i wrote very dark stuff like i didn't write like happy go lucky stories when i was a kid mm-hmm. and also it was sad it was dark he never discouraged that hmm so then like okay you know this is something this, this is like a symptom or something he was like as long as your energy is going somewhere for you hmm. and as long as this is coming out in a healthy manner then it's then you know i'm good with you not taking medication right so for the longest time i sort of like and it was very unclear because you know no one from my immediate family would take the effort so it was just like a odd sort of diagnosis for me as well mm-hmm. because i never had the financial liberty before that to go to a therapist myself or psychiatrist and be like okay no properly diagnose me or mm-hmm. like let's do this mm-hmm. and um, what happened was when i was about 23 i lost my grandmom and my cat within a span of a month okay and i was working in a place where i was not very happy mm-hmm. so that set me into an extremely low episode so i had depression hmm and i started to be again cuz i was just like okay maybe this will help because i was crying at night i couldn't sleep my partner at that point like just called up my aunt who's a counselor and he was like i think you should talk to her because i think there's something coming out from when she was a kid hmm and all of that so when that happened it sort of changed my perspective on medication as well where i was like okay maybe i'm not capable of handling this myself hmm you know maybe i just need the help and maybe it was my inner bias that was like because i'm very scared of medication where you can become addicted and stuff hmm. but they also tell you that doctors sort of help you wean you off it they you know it's like you would go to a like you would go and get treated for any kind of physical sickness mm-hmm. and it's a, it can be a trial and error, uh, error method with doses the same thing happens with mental medication mm-hmm. so like i was leaning towards the idea of medication and stuff but i was still very scared so then again i went back to my old routine where i ate shifted my jobs immediately because i was like this place is making me very very unhappy mm-hmm. So I shifted my job immediately, job immediately, mm-hmm. and from there on, it's been a build, obviously, to sort of keep myself happy, not to go into any manic or sad episodes or anything of that sort. Mm-hmm. Still not tried out medication because I'm still very, very afraid of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I feel like what people don't understand about mental health is that a, I don't think one person who's gone through it can diagnose you. Right. It's not like you know. It's not like okay. I went through the same driving test 
for clay, so I will tell you what to do. It's not as colloquial as that. Right. Like you couldn't like if you've gone through a traumatic physical illness like typhoid or jaundice, you're not going to diagnose somebody else and tell them what to do. Hmm. You share your experience, but that necessarily may not work for the other person. Absolutely, it's unique to everyone. So can can you? So how long has this diagnosis been for you? And and today, are you in a position where you can say that you understand yourself much better? Um, this diagnosis has been I think over a decade, mm-hmm. easily over a decade. Okay. And um, as far as understanding myself, I I think that I do know myself a little better now. Mm-hmm. Like as my feelings have sort of like I've also sort of compartmentalized a lot of things, mm-hmm. so I understand to process it better because otherwise I get very overwhelmed with a lot of information at a lot of time. Right. No, it's so surprising when I hear you say these things, and and the person that I know you as is completely different. You have your opinions. You speak out, you know, without any inhibitions. Uh, you you're you're okay to talk about things and and tell people that oh, this is my reaction to uh, this because I can't deal with stress or I can't I don't have any other uh, way of expression. This is something which is so unique to you, and I feel is it. because you have no um you know taboos attached to the subject now or, or are very comfortable with yourself is this why you're you're the way you are ah oh, that's very kind of you to say rani no really um, i mean it i think so the one thing that i sort of been proud of and i don't say this to many people because it sounds sort of conceited mm-hmm. i just I was always very, very um, fearless. Hmm. Like I remember in sixth grade, I got up in a moral science class in an extremely Catholic institution and said that religion is man-made, hmm. and like it created a huge chaos in class. Where my teacher was like, "I think you should politely go out and play for the next forty minutes because the students are getting stressed." Hmm. So you know, I, I used to and like I used to be like that in so many um, moments. Mm-hmm. and those moments have become very significant in my life in hindsight when i think about them mm-hmm. at some point i lost that fearlessness when i started working mm-hmm. i sort of became very inward very introvert constantly working so stressed about losing a job mm-hmm. and you know i sort of just i cut myself off from a lot of i think opportunity i could have explored otherwise Hmm. Or like the kind of personality that I was, I wasn't really being to my like honest to myself. Like I, I fought for a male's role when I was I think about fifteen in a school play, mm-hmm. and I got it, and I got a standing ovation for it. So I was, I, I had that kind of drive. Hmm. And then when I started, when I when I was looking, and I was doing the job I'd always wanted since I was fifteen. Hmm. So I was just like, why am I so unhappy? Why am I so scared? This is. everything that i have wanted but i'm so so completely not myself hmm and is it worth it so i think i feel like that right now i'm trying to be a little more fearless i'm trying to be a little more brave i try and do things that sort of are out of my comfort zone constantly mm-hmm. and a large of it has to do with who i've met while i started working as well because I had left home at a very young age, but I was still in the vicinity of my family. 
Like I never been apart from that. I was like I was leading two double lives. So there was like the PT life, and then there was like the college life. <laughs> Multiple so, sides. Hmm. Yeah. So then when I finally came to Bombay, I met my ex partner Ajay, hmm. and throughout the course of that relationship, as well, it helped me learn so much because I had never seen myself from his perspective. Mm-hmm. and that was a new because i think constantly indian parents also tell their kids what's wrong with them and not what what they do right mm-hmm. like i think it's just human behavior but at the same time that can also have an impact right. so i was like okay you know i'm doing everything it feels like i'm doing everything wrong like i really am not getting it right but it's when this relationship happened he was just like what is wrong with you i have not met so like i have not met someone like you i have not met someone so sorted i have not met someone so ambitious hmm. and the way he would talk to me the way he would like you know there was like respect that i didn't realize that i was lacking for hmm. myself as well mm-hmm. so yeah all of that sort of brought together i was just like you know this is the kind of person i am Mm-hmm. I don't want to be this person for the rest of my life because I have nieces and nephews and cousins, and when I look at them, I'm like I don't ever want them to feel the way I did. Obviously, that's a that's not possible. Mm-hmm. But even if in my capacity of their relationship with them, if I can set an example mm-hmm. in any manner by being fearless, by being fearless or being opinionated or expressing myself as loudly as i can hmm so that sort of just helps them not to feel so constricted like i did then i think it's worth the effort to be the way you want to be amazing so you feel a sense of calm and and today suppose all this news around and, and even normal people without any uh, uh, diagnosed problems are feeling low and out in this whole lockdown situation how are you dealing and keeping up with all this are you conscious about your thoughts right now are, are you consciously keeping away from negativity uh so me honestly because i privilege that way that I'm in my house in my safe zone unlike a lot of other people when I look at the news around me I feel like it does better me mm-hmm. I have my bad days and I've had one or two like actually a couple of bad days during lockdown where I've started like crying or I haven't been able to deal with it or you know I, I was just like I don't want to do anything because I can't my brain just can't mm-hmm. go for mm-hmm. like um, I had lost an employee to uh, suicide Mm-hmm. a couple of days ago like last week right after the shah yeah. uh, the news had broken out yeah and you know i was just like even if you don't know somebody mm-hmm. like that well the fact that they were in your life and they can go away so easily mm-hmm. it just like it gets to you but at the same time what you have to remember i what i also remember is that i have to push forward Like right. I have worked really hard, and I do have my dreams and my ambitions. And you know, I want to take my mom to Paris on an all-expense vacation. I want to do that, and in order to do that, I have to stick around. Mm-hmm. It's not for anybody else, but for my mom. I know it's not medically sound to put your anchor like that. They will tell you not to do that, and obviously care about yourself first. Mm-hmm. But my entire life, my mom has been my anchor, mm-hmm. and she has. done so much for me uh and we've had our differences obviously but at the same time for her i need to stick around i need to be able to make her life as peaceful as she has managed to make mine even today 
wow i hope someone listening also finds peace and and a reason but it's so important to talk about these things and i mean i can't thank you enough for actually agreeing to do this uh because i feel i'm not sure how many people listen to this podcast but even if it can change one person and and help them cope with what they are dealing with in some manner or reach out for help it will you know i i would be more than happy um any 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 piece of advice that you want to give others who are maybe not in the same shoe as you but um since everybody sort of in the entire world right now is going through something or the other is there anything at all that you want to tell people out there who are listening to you in you know the audio world i would <laughs> i don't know if i'm the right person to be giving advice but i feel like if they're listening out there or actually anybody hmm. you know the what you what you have to understand is everyone is going through their own story hmm. and that you sort of have to step away a moment and be like what is it like for them and mm. the true and the honest truth of the world is with all this sadness around like mm. and there is so much sadness around the world there is no dirt off it yeah that you really need to appreciate what you have in life like it is a hard thing to do and it's definitely easier said than done yeah. but i feel like if you find that one thing that you're very really grateful for that sort of you know you're like my like whenever i look at my uh, cat benny mm-hmm. like he walked into my life in a very odd, like a, at a very strange moment in bombay when i had no one else mm-hmm. and when he died it really broke my heart the thing is i'm so grateful that that ever happened mm-hmm. and every time that i feel down and about i sort of remember him mm-hmm. cuz i'm just like i want moments like those i want memories like those and you know for that you sort of you have to fight with whatever help you can get just fight through for those moments cuz those really make life happy not money or like material things they help but they don't necessarily make you as happy correct seek happiness no one taught us that in school but yeah. it is the true you know search that anybody should have happiness search and find thank you so much anjini once again for joining us and thank you so much rani for like on this you should start a podcast too <laughs> i'll i'll surely will cure it okay Thank you. Thank you. I hope you like this edition and yes the shows become longer you can expect me to bring you more people and their stories from next week onwards. While you have a great week and I hope everything we say inspires you in some way or the other. I have a beautiful song to leave you with. This is from the movie Vaisa Bhi Hota Hai Part 2. Yes, that's the full name of the film. The music is by Vishal Shekhar and uh, it is Vishal Dadlani who's penned it. Of course, Kailash Kher singing, Allah ke bande haste, jo bhi ho, kal phir aega. Hope you like it. <laughs>